Well, I don't know where I found this. I have, I have stuff I don't even know where it comes from anymore. But someone had calculated that if the widow's two mites, and this may help you with your retirement program, I don't know. But if the widow's two mites had been deposited in a bank at 4% interest compounded semi-annually, by today it would have grown to a sum of 4.8 4. billion trillion. Of course, none of us can live 2,000 years to collect your IRA. But when I was a young man, they said if you would put $2,000 a year away, and, and, and of course, now everything's ideal when those guys are talking to you, right? That's if you never have a Black Tuesday. That's if the stock market continues to operate. That's if, it, you know, been, there's a lot of ifs and all that. But if you put two grand a year away, well, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're 65. Well, I'm not. Because I didn't. But uh, $4.8 billion trillion. What's amazing about that two-mite investment is that it continues to produce profit. Most of you in here know about the two mites. And most of you that read the Bible and have read that story have been encouraged by those two little mites. Now, two mites is it was a, a, the cheapest coin uh, that they had. And what was amazing about the old girl is she gave all her living. Gave it all. That was what, you know, and I, I preached on this, I'm not going tonight, but God's into percentages, he's not into amounts. The rich man came at the same time and gave just a, a big amount, you know. But God didn't, Jesus didn't comment on that. He commented on this widow because she gave all her living. She gave 100%. I mean, wow. I say, wow. And I thought a lot about that through the years. It's not how much I give, it's the percentage I give. And God honors a willingness to be all in. In James chapter 1, verse 27, a very famous verse. A classic verse. If you read the Bible much, of course you know it. It says, Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this. I want to know what that is. To visit the fatherless, you know, that's orphans. Orphans. My wife and I are orphans right now. Some of you are orphans. It wouldn't be a bad idea to come visit me once in a while. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction but in their affliction and keep himself and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, you know, I would have thought that God would have said giving oneself to the mission field would have been pure religion. How about you? I would have thought that God would have said maybe going to Bible school would be pure religion, but he didn't. I would have thought maybe that God would have said, well, passing tracks out, being a witness, soul winner, that's pure religion. No, he didn't say that, did he? Maybe I, I would have thought maybe that they that labored long in prayer, an intercessor, intercessory and intercessors, would have been maybe considered pure religion. The first time I read this, it knocked my socks off. I mean, literally knocked my socks off. Um, I mean, pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, 
And as I'm reading through it, I'm thinking, what? To visit the fatherless and orphans in their affliction? In other words, to help the fatherless and orphans when they have a time of need. And then to keep oneself inspired from the world. So you could say that was putting feet or uh, on, on your religion. Those things are doing something, right? The first two was actually doing something in a positive manner. The other one is not doing something. The last one. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Love not the world. Don't let the world taint you. Don't let it stick to you. Be like old Bill Clinton, the Teflon man. Don't let it stick to you. Don't, don't let this old thing grab a hold of you and pull you down. You're a creature of light, a luminary. Ultimately, ultimately, the very sons of God, he's going to give us his kingdom and allow us to work with him in that kingdom. God has made special provision, and I don't think anybody can, and nobody would deny it or could not deny it. God has made special provision for widows. The first time I preached this sermon in 1994, uh, we had 26 widows attend that night. I think tonight we have seven or eight. Uh, but we had tw I don't know what that means. Well, let me tell you what I think it means. The World War II people were dying. And their widows were those World War II people, widows. And they were dying. A lot of them were dying. And uh, 26 widows, most of them World War II girls, um, came up here and received their widow's might. And my wife and I had a real great time. and We had gotten the idea of going to Israel for them. But God has made special provision. And, and if I may say, God has, God has put in the Bible a special warning about widows. I'm going to read you some of it. Exodus chapter 22 in the Old Testament. Pentateuch. Exodus 22, 22 says, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. Now let me say this and say it real good, and you know it's true. There are a bunch of roving thieves out in our society now that are afflicting widows. Vulnerable old people who, as they get older, begin to lose their judgment. Hey, look, don't be ashamed of that. That happens to all of us. If we live so long, all of us aren't going to be able to have very good judgment about stuff. As you get so old, you don't get better. And you, be, you begin to lose some cognizance, whatever that is. And you begin to lose your ability to put things together. And, and so judgment, making decisions on stuff becomes uh, hard and difficult. And you got some of the worst thieves in the world are mechanics. Everybody say I'm talking about air-conditioned mechanics. I'm talking about auto mechanics. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about elevator mechanics, but, but I mean, some of the most wicked, vile, low-life, bottom-feeding scum are, are business people that are going out there and telling these old widows that your stuff's worn out when it's not worn out. And this is going to be $1,000, $5,000 if you do it today. But if you lose, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with what, or trying to sell them. I'm going to get into car salesman here, but Knott's not here. So I, but I mean, 
Car salesmen, ooh, don't, you, you girls don't go buy a car without us. Let us help you buy a car. Let us help you with your air conditioner. Don't, when an air conditioner guy comes by, don't you allow him to come in. We, gotta, we here at Gospel know honest people that are in business. And we'll hook you up with some honest people that are in business that won't rip you off because they're born-again Christians and they heed the warnings of Scripture not to afflict a widow or fatherless, basically vulnerable people. Deuteronomy 27, 19 says, Cursed be he that perverted the judgment of a stranger. Now, that now stranger is an immigrant. In this immigrant issue, we got to be careful. We must, as the United States, be careful. Right? We need to be careful about the immigrant subject. Because the children of Israel were immigrants. They were, they were, they were strangers in the land of Egypt. And well, for sure, we don't want to afflict, and boy, we're not, but we don't want to afflict our immigrants. We need to uphold the law, and we need to, and we do. And I believe in the United States, we don't afflict our immigrants. I really don't. I think we take care of them better than any country in the world. That's why they want to come here. They're not coming here because we afflict them, and the word on the street is don't come to the United States because they'll really afflict you. If that was the truth, you wouldn't have to build a wall. You wouldn't have to have all this immigration. They wouldn't come. They wouldn't want to come. Nobody's, nobody's breaking the door down to Venezuela. Nobody's breaking the door down to go to Cuba. That tells you more than, more than what you can verbalize. Cursed he that perverted the judgment of a stranger, fatherless or widow. All the people shall say, Amen. That's what the Bible says. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 through 11 says, Press not the widow nor the fatherless. Matthew 23, 14 says, Under the Pharisees, boy, chapter 23, you know, that's the, that's the old-fashioned um, shingle window rattling, shingle breaking, old-fashioned hellfire damnation preaching that Jesus did that I've never even heard in my life a sermon like that. I mean, name-calling. He says, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. I've seen it happen. If Tom Cronin were here tonight, he'd tell you how the Seventh-day Adventists literally stole his inheritance from his mother. Stole it. And they're doing it every day. He, would, he went to his mother's house. that They had talked her into leaving all her stuff to the Seventh-day Adventist church. And he had a picture. There was a picture in the wastebasket of one of his family pictures. He went over there to get it, and the guy said, Don't, that, that's not yours. Imagine doing that. I told Tom, you're a better Christian than I am. I'd have knocked his head off. I said, take a seventh day on this one. I know I'm not a very good Christian. I mean... I, Tom's a way better Christian than I am. Job comments about it two, three, four times about abusing the widow. That's on the negative side. We're warned not to hurt her, not to abuse her. And I think as Christians, God forbid we take advantage of people that were vulnerable. The blind, the lame, you're not supposed to, you know, do anything to them. You're supposed to help them. In the positive aspect of all this. Deuteronomy 10, 17, 18 says, He doth execute judgment of the fatherless and the widow and loveth the stranger and, give, and giving him food and raiment. The Lord your God is talking about there. 
Deuteronomy 14, 27. Uh, it, says, it says here in verse 29, And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied <clears throat> that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. He's talking about taking in a tithe into the house of God and that the church should help these people. Years ago, I had painted, or maybe it was a decal, put on for the very top of our buses, real big letters. How can we help you? Do you remember that? Anybody remember that? Five people. Uh, and, and how can we help you? Across from, we're talking whatever length those buses are, 30, 35 feet on the top. And I mean, we had it on our and I remember, I'll never forget, Jim McCullum, you know, was a sweet man, loved the Lord and practiced. He came to me, and he said, preacher, man, I, I'm scared. I said, what do you mean? He says, how can we help you? On both sides, I put it on both sides of the bus, and I put it on all the three, two or three buses we had. He said, well, people are going to come in here and ask us to give them all kinds of, I said, it'll be all right, brother. The ones that are illegitimate will turn away, but the ones that are legitimate, don't we want to help them? He said, well, yeah, but he says, it's just, just a little scary. You say, how can we help you? Well, we were not overrun with people, you know, once. But I want to, the church is responsible to help people. I'm talking socially responsible. We've given in to the government, let them take it. And by the way, the horrendous, horrific us, uh, if I may say, plan of the devil himself is having the government take care of people when it should be the the churches taking care of people, because the churches wouldn't allow welfare. We'd have work affair, because the Bible says a man doesn't work he shouldn't eat. So we'd treat it right. We'd give him a job, give him something to do, or and also we'd say if you show up on Sunday, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Amen. Deuteronomy 24 talks about it. Verse 19 to 21. He said, Well, thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field and hast forgot a sheaf of, in the field. Thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for a stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hands. You want to be blessed? You want the work of your hands to be blessed. And man, there will be nobody out there in their right mind would say, no, I don't want that. I want it. Everybody out there ought to want God to bless the work of your hands. He says, be helping those folks. Be thinking about those folks. See, even in Proverbs it says, if you try to hide from and pretend you don't know, that's not going to cut it. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 4 through 7 says, For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after the gods to your other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land I gave your fathers forever and ever. Psalm chapter 68, verse 5 says, Father of the father, he, that he is the father of the fatherless, judge of the widows. Psalm 146.9 says, The Lord preserveth the strangers, relieveth the fatherless and widows. Proverbs 15.25, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of, a, of the widow. Why, well, you widows didn't realize God was so much for you, did he? 
Isaiah 117, learn to do well, seek, seek judgment, relieve the press, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Plead for the widow. I think that's clear enough. Is there any fuzziness about that? I mean, that's just a sample, but I think it's pretty clear in the Bible that God says we're to be care. And brother, I, I, I mean, you, you people that live in some of these uh, 55 and over places, I know some of you are in active pursuit of helping those those people that live in those areas. Some of them, some of the, especially the widows, especially the ones that are vulnerable. You're you're in there helping them, making sure they don't get ripped off. What a noble thing this is. What a noble thing it is for Christians that live in those 55 or over places to be known for that. I don't want to start naming names, but we've had people that have come to this church, and, and one guy lived in, uh, oh, brother, at the end of Dean Street. Well, anyway, there's a big park at the end of Dean Street there, and I thought all he did full-time was help those old widows with their new water heaters and their new this, and he didn't take any money. They Sometimes they'd force my little money on him, but he says, look, it's not about the money. I just want to do it. And God blessed that man and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. He walked around. He was so happy. I was jealous. See, there's bigger pay than money. Having the joy of the Lord is your strength. Having joy is not a bad thing. I mean, keep your money. Give me joy. Amen. I've been down before. I hate being down. That's awful. You can be rich and have money in the bank, every kind of thing, and be depressed, not even want to live. God says, hey, I'll help, I'll help you learn how to have, I'll bless you if you help those vulnerable folks around you and do it in the name of Jesus. Say, so why do you do it? Because of Jesus helped me. Yeah, man. Widows have played an important part in biblical history. I did a little study on that. Hiram, the maker of intricate workings of bronze and, and brass of Solomon's temple, was a widow's son. Ooh. Hey. Jeroboam, uh, the, the ruler, the, the king of the ten tribes of the north, was a widow's son. It was the widow of Zarephath that God chose to feed Elijah, the prophet, during the famine, 1 Kings 17, 7 through 13. It was a widow that recognized, was recognized for all eternity in our text. And maybe it's time to read our text. In Mark chapter 12, take your Bibles if you would. Mark chapter 12, verse 42, 44. That's our text. That was the introduction. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in was of their abundance, basically. It was of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. I thank God that early on in my life, I was able in some degree to experience what this widow did. Uh, I needed food money. I needed gas money. That's of your need, of your necessity. To, and I, 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 the temptation was to not give your tithe because you needed food money. I mean, my wife's a wonderful person, but when I married her, she was a very immature person. She was a very immature, not person, she was immature. 
She was an immature Christian. She just had gotten saved, brand new Christian. And I said this before. She, I needed, uh, uh, we were down to our last few bucks. She didn't have money to buy groceries. And we had a little young one-year-old, if I remember right. And uh, she said, well, maybe we we won't tithe this week and we'll have enough money to buy. And I, and I, I threw a fit. I threw a hissy fit. The reason I did that is because I knew I was getting weak. And I said, we're going to give. If we starve to death, we're going to give God's tithe on everything. And uh, I'm going to tell you now, I'm so glad we did that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. God gave me the opportunity to be tested. Thank God that he caused me to come to the point where I even could be tested in that area. And then Kathy got an opportunity to see how God provided for us and how I got a phone call and got work. You know, I always used to say, God never gives me money. He always gives me work. I wouldn't have minded him sending me some cash. But for some reason, with my, in my, I hear these, you know, these kids at college, you hear them in college, oh, I got up, I opened my mail, and there was the exact amount I needed. That never happened to me. Oh, I went down to the business office and somebody paid my, my I never had, that had never happened to me. It was, oh, Sears called and you have 750 yards of carpet delay. Okay, praise the Lord. I got work. I'm going to go work and earn it. I, I guess if somebody had given me gifts, it would have hurt me. So I got to do it differently. But I would hear those people say, I went to the mailbox and there was this much money in it. Wow. I'll admit, I, I probably had the sin of envy on that a little bit. The widow Anna coming to the temple, hearing Simeon announce that he had seen the Christ. It was a widow that got in on that. It was the daily distribution of the widows that caused, in Acts chapter 6, the, the apostles to say, we need deacons. All you deacons, praise the Lord. You're here because there was a need for work to be done other than prayer and the study of the word. Or, and, and the apostles said, you know, we're not going to be able to do all this because if we do, we're not going to do what we're supposed to do. And so we need some men full of the Holy Ghost, honest report, choose you among you, these men. In other words, vote for these men, nominate the men, vote for them. They, they did, and they, and they got those seven men that were the first deacons of the, of the church. It was because of a, the widow's needs that that whole thing started. It was a widow by the name of Dorcas that was the subject of Peter raising her from the dead. You know, when Dorcas died, that's the way I want everybody to feel when I die. Like, oh, we're really going to miss him. Man, when Dorcas died, the girls went around and said, oh, look, she made me this. My wife picked up on that long time ago and started making baby blankets. My wife has made baby blankets. I lost count. For babies and babies and babies, uh, babies on end. I mean, I, I don't think she has an understanding how many babies she's made blankets for. And she, she even makes me blankets. I call them my binkies. I say, I need a new binky. And she goes and makes me another one. And uh, <laughs> I know you like that. Yeah, you just let your imagination run on that or however you want. But, you know, it gets cold in Florida. You need a little warm. You have something. But anyway, 
I remember Troy had one, man. He wore that thing out. He, we, we had to do some sort of a double sleight of hand to get it away from him. You know, had to take because if his binky was gone, it was over. Life was over as he knew it. But Kelly's made them from back then. Like Dorcas, man, ladies, you may not be able to do a lot of stuff other people do, but you, many of you be able to do good deeds. You can make cookies. I've seen, I was telling somebody at lunch today, I've seen two single women in my life, my wife, we're, think, we're talking about this, that, let me try to word this right. Two single women in this church that laid their eyes upon a man and wanted, wanted him as her husband, but he didn't like him. And they started making him cookies. Homemade cookies. And would give him a dozen cookies. Just say, here's a dozen cookies. Well, what man's going to turn away a dozen homemade cookies? Nobody in the right mind. And they kept this girl. And then they would give him another dozen and another dozen and another dozen. And one of them went on for over a year. And he came to me and he says, I really don't like her. Ain't nobody else giving me cookies. And I go, ain't all bad, brother. He says, well, I really don't like her that much, but, but man, she really, she really likes me. I said, oh, she likes you. And they got married. Another one got married. Both of them got married. Both the girls got their man. Girls, this is worth coming tonight. Oh, I'm waiting for Prince Charming to come and sweep me off my feet. Forget that, man. Get aggressive. Bake some cookies. Well, I'm just telling you, fact. That is not fiction. That's fact. God's made special provision for widows, both in warnings and encouragements. God has given widows and fatherless, of course, a special place of recognition in his holy book. And I believe as a church, we have tried, and I have tried as your pastor, to heed this, especially since 1994 when I did my first study on it, and try to take care of our widows in this church. We regularly go to our widows and try to tell them, look, if you need some, call us, tell us, please let the church know, because we want to take care of you. Pastor McKinney um, resigned. He was beginning to get all, al, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, all, Alzheimer's? 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 Maybe I'm getting I don't know. Anybody's, uh, he started getting it, and, and you know, his, his wife came to me and says, oh, Pastor uh, Bill, she said, you know, uh, Harry's getting bad, and I keep telling him he's got to resign. He don't want to resign. I keep telling him. Finally, he, 72 years old, uh, he resigned, and and uh, they left this area. I told him to stay, but he left and went to uh, Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, and where his one kid was, one of his, he had four children, five children, one was, four were alive, and then uh, he died, and then uh, but before he died, uh, I knew they had no retirement. He was one of them old timers, all them old preachers that, that opted out of Social Security. Bad move. Them old boys thought Social Security would be dried up by now. There'd be no money. And they didn't, they didn't opt out. So he had no Social Security. His wife had no Social Security, really. No income. They, uh, I'd done what most preachers had done. 
which was give all of their extra money into the building funds that he had built, so many different buildings, and, had been, and they had given away. And, 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 and if I say, when I say this, he had not ever been paid much. You know, no benefits, no 401Ks, no, none of that stuff. And so the man was really broke. He had like, you know, 35,000 bucks to his name. And he said, man, how am I going to live? And he looked at me one day, he was, yeah, I could tell he was worried. And he said, Bill, how am I going to live? I said, is there a God in heaven? Oh, I love that. I love to preach to a preacher. It's beautiful to take his stuff and then just feed it back to him. I said, well, preacher, do you think there's a God? And of course I knew it. He said, oh, yeah, I, I believe there's a God. I said, there's a God. And this is an opportunity for him to show himself to you. And remember how you've told people that for 40 years. He said, yeah, I know it. I know it. But he was, he was in the, you know, he, that moment of, of weakness. And then... I got with the deacons. I said, how about we help them and we pay for their lot up there in Beaverdam. We pay for their grocery bill up there in Beaverdam. And you folks voted on it. The deacons uh, moved and recommended it. You folks voted on it. People were here. And we were privileged to be able to help that old, old boy uh, with their basic needs. And then he died, and we were still able to help her and her stay in her home. And then uh, we fed her to the point where her daughter called up and says, stop, we got plenty. Please don't send any more money. And, and then Naomi shortly after that died. Folks, there's no better thing than to help people like that. It's the most best feeling. I am, right now we're helping Miss Smiley some as a church. No better feeling than I got in my life is I can think that we're helping an old girl that gave 25 years. I mean, sorry about that, Miss Smiley. But an old girl who gave 25 years of her life, never asked for a dime, never wanted a dime, did it because Jesus saved her, and she gave everything and still teaching in junior church. Brother, what a privilege it is for us to get behind her and help her. Now, she can't say that, but see, I can. What a wonderful joy it is to help her. And we're going to help you girls, too. We're not going to let you, none of you widows that, that, that come up under the umbrella of the local church here at Gospel are going to suffer and do without. Uh, God forbid, brother. You, you can move in with me. I'm not sure that'll be a blessing. Brother, I, but if you don't eat, I'm not eating. If you don't eat, I'm not eating. If you don't have clothes, I'm not going to have clothes. If, if you don't have what you need, I'm not going to have what I need because I couldn't live with myself. Because the God of all that is has given us clear instruction to help those that are in need, especially orphans or the fatherless and the widows. And then keep yourself unspotted from this world. Father, help us tonight to heed your instructions as you've given them so practically, so practical, so clearly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.